We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. And welcome to the Ron ATL Podcast. My name is Mike Cosentino. It is my extreme privilege to be your host on this broadcast journey that we take every two weeks. I am not alone. Once again, we are joined by my cohort, your friend, Dolomite, Dave Martinez, D2. Hello to you, sir. Hello, and welcome back. I know you just came from a trip out west. I was out west, always good to be back, but it was fun to cover some beach side miles and get some good information. Interestingly, and you'll hear me refer to this in our featured conversation, I am tracking down the halls, it seems like. Spent a little bit of time with Sarah Hall last week and then going into the recording for this episode, of course, our featured conversation. We'll tease this out for everyone, includes Ryan Hall. But before we talk about any other interview, I feel like you are the one who needs to be interviewed. In our conversation recently, you turned my attention to Project Carbon X. You were really geeked out about this. So I've got a couple of questions. I want everybody to listen in on your answers, but that wasn't something that you necessarily expected. It was only after immersing yourself in this Project Carbon X from Hoka that you came out going, man, this was really, really cool. Why do you feel that way? Well, so we've kind of known about Carbon X, you know, kind of on the download. Like, you know, Hoka had talked about the shoe just in the industry and we kind of knew about it back in December, but it's like no one take any pictures, no one talk about it. This is this is a special shoe. And then we didn't hear anything for months. And then I believe it was, um, you know, April 29th, they sent out this press release that said, we had this event called Project Carbon X coming up this weekend with all details being released on May 1st. And that's where they kind of made their announcement. I think they were coming off of their sales meetings um, out West, and this was kind of following up right after it. So because a couple of our, our local tech rep, Cassie went out for that and then stayed, and she was actually on the course working with, you know, this project, you know, as in some capacity, either at aid station, but, you know, working for Hoka in in this event. So there was this buzz around it. So they kept it kind of secret, um, but they had all their athletes out and the record, you know, the, the, the idea was to, to beat these world records that had been out there. And some of them had been standing for as many as 30 years. So it took place out in Sacramento, California, and it was a 4.7 mile loop. And, you know, the idea was to beat a 50-mile world record, 100K world record. They were also going after uh, a relay, a 10 by 10 relay, um, and beat that world record as well. So the idea was all their athletes were going to wear this brand new shoe, the Carbon X. So that was their kickoff. This is really very similar to what Nike did with, you know, breaking two, but not as well publicized. And, you know, kind of kept under wraps, which I thought was kind of cool because it just kind of came, you know, kind of came up and I'd heard about it. I was like, okay, they'll be streaming it live through the internet. And, you know, and I'm like, that's cool. And I went and did, you know, our course preview for the Hotline Half Marathon, you know, Saturday morning. And by the time I got home and, and, and showered, you know, and fired up the laptop, it's about noon. So this is already kind of two hours in. And I'm like, okay, I'll probably watch a few minutes of it. I want to make sure I kind of see what's going on. I could not turn away i end up watching like the rest of like the you know three and a half four hours i were left glued to my laptop and i never thought that an ultra event that i would be on the edge of my seat watching you know uh, you know these record attempts you know take place you know and you know a friend of, of the podcast carrie tollison was one of the broadcasters you know she does a phenomenal job and credit to hoka because they, I don't know what they paid, but the amount of production and video that went into this was amazing. This could have very easily have been broadcast on NBC, you know, sports or ABC sports, any of the major networks, ESPN. That's how good of a caliber job that they did in the production. They had drones. They had multiple ca- camera angles. They had, they had vehicles on course and reporters on course. One of the correspondents was on course interviewing and talking and getting, you know, commentary from the runners as they were on course and it was hard to turn away it was phenomenal and i was like 
they need to do this more often. They need to broadcast ultras because this is going to open this type of endurance event to a lot more people. I mean, I was geeked out and I didn't really know many of the runners and, you know, some of them I was like, oh, okay, well, that name sounds kind of familiar or yeah, he sounds familiar from the ultra running role. So it was very cool. I was geeked out. I'm still excited about it. You know, one of the, 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 you know, the world, the one that everyone was talking about was the 50 mile world record. Jim Walsme, you know, ended up getting the world record at four hours, 50 minutes and seven seconds. Um, he ran a five minute, 48 second minute mile. But interestingly enough, he had to finish the 100K course for the 50-mile world record to count. I'm not sure exactly how that worked or why that was the case, but he was sprinting for the last mile, I think, in order to beat that record. He came across, maybe ran another 10, 20 yards, and then just started walking. I mean, the effort he put in, and he had to finish. So here you see someone that just threw in all this effort and at that point, it became kind of a victory lap. You know, he had two more laps to go. So it kind of became victory, victory laps. But you saw someone that was, had, was depleted, that needed to take nutrition, needed to take calories. And, you know, seemed like for, you know, a couple of minutes there, it seemed almost like he was just going to be like, that's it, I'm done. But he pushed, he persevered. Interesting enough, you know, the uh, second place, you know, who was running second place was from, from Japan, Hideki Yamamuchi. Um, he ended up finishing first in the 100K in six hours, 19 minutes, 54. He missed the world record by a little over nine minutes. So 100K is 62.1 miles. So on the last lap, you know, we see a camera on Jim. And then we see, you know, Hideki behind him. Jim's like, I'm not getting lapped. And he was already kind of running. All of a sudden, Jim starts sprinting. And he does not get lapped. He found like a second, third, fourth wind. I don't know what it was. And it was so cool because all of a sudden it's like, don't get lapped, don't get lapped, don't get lapped. And he pushed through it. He never got lapped. You know, so that was very cool. Um, also, which I didn't realize, uh, Patrick Reagan came in fourth. He's from Savannah, Georgia. And, you know, through the broadcast, I found out that he, you know, was a teacher at Savannah College of Art and Design down in Savannah. And he quit his job. And this is now what he does. He apparently has won, I think, the Havelina 100 two years in a row. Um, so he's a very accomplished you know, athlete, and he's not your typical, you know, the way he's kind of built. He's built very muscular. He's, you know, he's, a, 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 you know, he's not your typical ultra runner, like very lean. So he just, and he seemed the strongest. Through the 100K, he just seemed like the strongest the whole time. Um, so it was... Very, very cool to see that, to see the women um, as well. Um, Sabrina Little, first woman, seven hours, 49 minutes, 48 seconds. She missed a world record. Um, you know, she was struggling. You know, a lot of the athletes towards the end, I mean, it started getting warm. I mean, they're running like 75, 80 degrees, I think, by the time they were done. So they were all struggling. They're all beginning to slow down. The team relay, the 10 by 10, they actually um, – beat the uh, world record. Um, so it was, the old record was six hours and one minute. They did it in five hours, 45 minutes, 51 seconds. So that was very cool to see all that kind of go down live and over, you know, a, a long day. Uh, I mean, these athletes were out there for easily, you know, eight plus hours and some of them. So that was kind of cool. And then the whole idea, you know, was the launch of the shoe, the Carbon X, which, you know, as I'm looking at, you know, Facebook, I've seen comments pop up and people are kind of commentating about, oh, well, it's, they're copying the, you know, the Nike Vaporfly or why aren't they showing the shoe? And so there's a lot of, you know, there are a lot of people that are being very supportive of the athletes, but every once in a while you'd see someone kind of pop in, kind of being almost negative about, well, where's the shoe? Tell us about the shoe. Why aren't they showing the shoe? And, you know, I bet it's not as good as a Vaporfly. And, um, you know, first of all, kudos to Hoka because throughout the broadcast and at this whole, whole event, even though they were kicking off and this is kind of the introduction of this shoe, I say kudos to them because they could have made this a big commercial, you know, and advertising for the shoe, and they didn't. They, they set a stage to, to highlight their athletes and the world records that they were attempting. And then the shoe kind of became, this is, by the way, this is kind of the shoe that they're using. You know, 
so that to me, I'm like kudos to them because it could have been this whole marketing, just talk about the shoe the entire time. And they never really did. They focused on the athletes. The broadcast was about the athletes, what they were doing, what they were attempting to do with these world records. So kudos to them because it, like I said, it could have been a big old infomercial for eight hours and it, it was not. It, so I was really excited about that. So for those that are like, well, tell us about the shoe. So the Carbon X is sort of, some will say compare it's very similar to the Nike Vaporfly 4%. And that's not by, uh, you know, that's not by accident. It's, it's, you know, I, you know, back in November happened to run into Hoka athlete, speed goat, Carl Meltzer. And we spoke about the shoe because he was sort of kind of the inspiration. People may not know this, but Carl has been talking about putting a carbon plate into a shoe for years through he's talked to other previous sponsors that he's worked with before other manufacturers so it was no secret it wasn't like there was a non-disclosure agreement he's been telling people we need to do this we need to do this so apparently this was kind of his idea and then one of the designers that used to work for hoka happened to now work at nike so that's sort of kind of where the idea kind of you know came so there might be some people that go oh well, hoka stole the idea from nike not really. And I'm not going to say Nike stole the idea. There was no non-disclosure agreements. And it's this kind of, you know, ideas will be shared, you know, so it'll be interesting to see when the shoe comes out. The one good thing that I will say is that it is not going to be priced as, as high as the Nike 4%. This shoe will be available for $180. Bucks. Um, according to, um, to Hoka, it will be available online, I think, through their website on May 15th and then in run specialty on June 1st. We will be one of those stores that will be carrying this particular shoe. We will be having have bottles of them available at our Midtown and Alpharetta locations, and we'll be probably carrying them online as well. So I'm excited because I'm a Hoka fan, and especially after this event, I am I'm pumped. And I know Hoka's got a couple shoes that are coming out. I know they've got the Clifton Six coming out in June. I'm a I've run the Clifton Six. I mean the Clifton all the previous versions of the Clifton. The six I'm looking forward to. They've got the Rincon, which is another shoe that is kind of a been derived and has been compared to the Clifton and the sort of a, the, a new version of what the original was supposed to be. So lighter weight, but cushion. So great for those long distances and, and, and fast runs. Um, and then, um, you know, and now they've got the the, uh, the Carbon X, which is going to be that lightweight, you know, racing shoe. So if you're looking for that max cushion, you know, racing shoe, at 180 bucks, that's I'd, I'd say that's a pretty good price point for them. That's awesome. You were jazzed about the production. Obviously, very amped about the quality of performances. For those of you who are kind enough to shop in our Kennesaw store, our very own Lucas Stocks was one of the participants as one of the teams in the relay. So certainly go see him. He'll give you real inside knowledge as a participant. And of course, the product D2, I know you're excited about. We're going to be thrilled to have. We'll tell everyone more as we get to that release date. Certainly looking forward to the reviews as our guests pick a pair of those up and get a chance to experience it for themselves. We also, of course, have very exciting news to share relative to our featured conversation for this episode. Jay Stevenson, a friend of mine, a fellow running store owner here in the state of Georgia, go-go running. Yes, there is some camaraderie in our industry. And Ryan Hall maybe needs no introduction. Ryan, of course, is the American record holder in the half marathon. He has run sub 60 minutes at that distance, two-time Olympian in the marathon, he was in both the 2008 and 2012 Olympic Games. He comments in this conversation on the Olympic trials as he, of course, participated in that event. He also has been an All-American at Stanford. He has won big name races throughout his career. He and his wife are doing some really cool things, and you'll hear us talk about what an exciting few weeks he has had at the Boston Marathon. He unveiled his new book, Run the Mile You're In. And now, along with Jay, this month in May, they are introducing Run Free Training. So this is a great conversation. We get a chance to learn not only more about them, but what they're doing and how we can apply it. We'll bring you that conversation. It will be unedited and it will be right 
after this brief message. Shopping for a runner can be difficult, but Big Peach gift cards make it a whole lot easier. They're perfect for birthdays, holidays, or any occasion to show you support a healthy and active lifestyle. Gift cards are also perfect for the workplace as an incentive, reward, or thank you for a job well done. Big Peach Running Company gift cards are available at all seven locations and online at bigpeachrunningco.com. And welcome back to the Run ATL Podcast D2 as we discussed in the intro and as we've very much been looking forward to. This is an opportunity to connect with good friends and new friends. I know everyone is excited and certainly the capital of the South welcomes Jay Stevenson and Ryan Hall to this little broadcast. Gentlemen, thank you for being part of this. Thanks for having us, Mike. Yeah, stoked to have this conversation with you guys. Well, we are as well, and it's it's awesome. Certainly not going to hide the fact that you guys are together in Flagstaff, Arizona. Ryan, where you and your family now call home. You guys are working on some cool things. Before we go deep into what some of those things are, it would be remiss not to remind everyone that Jay is one of us. He is a Georgian. In fact, D2 and I call him a fraternity brother along with other things. He is in the same industry as the founder and co-owner of GoGo Running in Rome, Georgia. See, it doesn't always have to be Coca-Cola versus Pepsi-Cola. You can have <laughs> quite fraternal relationships with others who own running store. Certainly that's the case. He's also been the head coach at Barry College and the coach for a number of people on our team. And at the same time, Jay, I know you know that the individual sitting next to you oftentimes, rightfully so, gets the limelight. And we talk about some of those accolades. Ryan Hall, for those of you who do not remember this or perhaps have not already done your own research, the fastest American distance runner at both the half and the full marathon is still very much an influence in the sport of running. In fact, his wife, who I saw this past weekend in California, is one of those who coaches. And certainly the Hall family will be in Atlanta before too long, D2, for the marathon trials in February of next year. So a perfect setup for this conversation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So let's get right to it. First of all, Ryan, what you are doing right now, so cool, Boston Marathon, barely in the rear view. And now we have another book that has come from you and one that I am so excited to share with others. We've already indicated we are going to give away a copy to one of our lucky listeners on the Run ATL podcast. But Run the Mile You're In. We think about that title. And then importantly enough, we think about all that you've done and all the miles that you've covered. Finding God in every step. We think about all of the steps that you've taken in training and in competition. Instead of allowing me to read what could come from some online review, tell us what it's like to dive into your own book and know that this is your personal journey that now you're willing to be so generous and share with others. Yeah, I am so stoked about this book. You know, like to me, it feels like a lot more than a book. It feels like like me on paper. Um, you know, when I was writing, I remember sitting down. I'd get up every morning like 5 a.m., make a cup of coffee and just write for like an hour or two a day. And I was really shocked by like how organically it just all kind of came out and how it just, just kind of flowed out of me, you know. And I think that's the case when like – your life is your message, you know? So um, the whole book is just like me communicating, going from being a 13-year-old kid doing hill sprints in Big Bear Lake in Southern California and having this burning question going through my mind, like what is it going to take for me to develop my potential at its fullest uh, level? And just wondering like what, you know, what experiences am I going to have to have? What characteristics am I going to have to have as an athlete? What kind of training am I going to have to do? All these things that like when you're at the beginning of your journey, you're wondering. And uh, so this was 
you know, fast forward 20 years after that moment, it was me sitting down and almost writing to my 13-year-old self and being like, this is what I learned about the road in front of me. And this is what I learned and had to develop and cultivate and go after in order to uh, live the vision that I kind of had for my running and for my life from the very moment that I began running when I was 13. So, um, you know, it's a story that I think a lot of people be able to relate to, like runners, non-runners alike, because it's a story of life, you know, it's a story of like a kid going after his dream and, and, uh, and all the ups and downs that come with it. Like, I think, you know, there are athletes out there that seem to just be like on their game at all times, like, Kipchoge for example um but that was not my story at all like I was very much all over the map up and down and um I think people can relate to that you know because I'd say that's a more common path that people traveled compared to you know the people who just can seemingly just put it together and even those people you know they have their moments they have their challenges but um yeah I'm very like honest and open about how I was able to work through those and, and uh, how it changed me as a person. Well, and one of the things that I love about the book is that it starts at the beginning. And, and certainly we have many people who listen to this broadcast who maybe even still would not consider themselves a runner or maybe even someone who would say that they enjoy running. And I think it's easy to hear the name Ryan Hall and assume that this young man at the time when you say 13 fell out of what might have been a middle school PE program onto a track and immediately loved it and loved every step he ever took. And of course, that's not the case. And now you think about your role, whether it's as coach or more maybe so as parent. what would you say from not just writing this book, but from this journey that you've taken that you would advise those people who at this point wouldn't say they love running just like you didn't at the onset, or for those of us who are parents that are now having the opportunity to speak in to 13-year-olds or maybe similar ages and be able to say something that means something but doesn't have to mean they should love it every step or right away. Yeah, totally. I mean, running is like a exclusive group, you know, like so hard worst when you begin and so your first run is not going to be fun like i remember you know that first 15 mile run i went on when i was 13 years old like i tell people like that was a super long super painful uh run that was not impressive at all and <laughs> anyone that's watching on the outside you know would have seen me stumble through that front my front door and just be like this kid's never gonna run again like he 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 hates to run now he's really gonna hate to run you know but there was something about that moment that just like captured me and like i loved um i loved to push and to be uncomfortable and to try and do something that i didn't know if i could do it or not and then to be able to do that, like that sense of like accomplishment is like way greater than, you know, the sense of fatigue you feel after doing something like that. But, you know, like speaking directly to, you know, my approach with my kids, I just tried to do the same thing my dad did with me. And what he did, and he saw that I could be a good runner, like all through my childhood. He was, and he tell me, he's like, you could be like a world-class runner if you want to be. But he's like, but the desire has to come from you. And so I was like, eh, yeah, that's great, Dad, but I'm going to play baseball, basketball, and football. And like, I, I wanted to be a pro baseball player. And he waited till the desire came from me. And then when the desire did come from me, he partnered with it. And and he coached me all through high school and, and brought me up in the sport. So I just encourage people, like, you cannot force your kids to run. Uh, we actually tried to do the opposite with our youngest kids. And not that we want our really young kids because we have an 8-year-old, 11-year-old, a 15-year-old, and an 18-year-old. And not that we want our little kids running. We just want them active. But we, we, we're we trying, like, re reverse psychology on them where we're like, you guys aren't allowed to run ever. But uh, so far it's not working. So I don't know if I'd call that. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think there's something really cool about that. And if we think back to some of these times, I already mentioned the sub-205 marathon in the intro just as a reminder 2011 boston marathon running two hours four minutes 58 seconds still the uh, fastest time for an american at that distance obviously the half marathon record so someone who maybe didn't immediately connect with it but felt the encouragement from his dad and perhaps from others ultimately came there 
on his own and not only came there to determine what he was capable of, but came to a place where he was running with those who were best in class in the world. And Ryan, you go on to say in your book that you did ultimately have a sense that you were called and designed to run with some of the best runners in the world, that that was part of who you were born and meant to be. Help me tease that out in terms of how someone might sense, gosh, this is what I am supposed to be doing. Yeah. Oh, I love talking about this. So, so after I did that first 15 mile run around the lake, I came home, I collapsed on the couch and I felt like at that time, and this was just like, like a, a little thing I felt in my heart. It wasn't like any weird thing. So don't get me wrong. But like, <laughs> I felt like God was telling me like, you give me a gift to run with the best guys in the world. But he gave me that gift so I could help other people. And my what the reason why I like to tell a story is because the moment that I partnered with that belief and I was like, I believe that one day I'm going to run with the best guys in the world, it changed everything about my life. Because what we believe about ourselves, it comes out of us. It gets manifested. So when I started to believe I was going to run with the best guys in the world, I started training like a world-class athlete. I started sleeping like a world-class athlete. I started eating like a world-class athlete. I started doing the weights, like all the things that come with being like a world-class athlete because that's who I believed I was. And so that's what I'm really passionate to share with other runners is like, what do you believe about yourself? And even if like – you haven't had my experience where you felt like, you know, just a piece in your heart that God's like telling you something. Um, you can choose your beliefs, you know, like, but it's not a, it's not what I learned on my journey. It's not a one-time choice. It's like an over and over again. It's more of a cultivation than being like, okay, today I'm going to believe this. And then, you know, I'm not going to have to ever like fall back on this and remind myself that this is what I believe. No, it's like, you have to nurture that belief. If you don't, it dies. Because that belief is like a seed that starts to grow. And the more you nurture it, the more you water it, the faster it grows, the bigger it gets. Um, and it comes into full full life, you know. Um, and so it was the same way with my beliefs. And there was a lot of moments where I doubted that, you know. Like it wasn't like, oh, I got this thing from God and like everything was peachy after that. And like never doubted myself. Like it was something that I remember like having conversations with my parents or with Sarah, who's my girlfriend at the time, or later on when she was my wife about like, I'm not sure like if, if I heard right, or if this is really going to happen. Like, like I had those moments and I had to um, really pull on other people around me. And that's, what's so great about running is that it's not meant to be done in isolation. And we're at our best. I'm at my best anyways, when I'm, around people who I can have these tough conversations with and they can encourage me through it and remind me about like, what do I believe about myself? Man, I love that answer. For no other reason, it gives me the opportunity to just make sure that our listeners understand this. This isn't Ryan saying this because now it writes well or it tells well. If we go back to 2011, early in the year, Ryan's earlier book, Running With Joy, My Daily Journey to the Marathon, if I recall correctly, Ryan, there was so much of what you just said that I would encourage everybody to go back and listen to again that you put on those pages in terms of how important it is day by day by day to make the most out of what you're doing and what you believe you're called to do and things like your training, your rest, your spiritual awareness, your ability to recognize this is who you are intending to be. That was all on pages well more than five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, all these things are lessons that, you know, some of them, like it's, I think lessons are kind of the same way need to be cultivated in the same way that we cultivate our beliefs you know it's like you have to be like even myself when I was writing run the mile you're in like I, I felt like I would be, be encouraging myself like after I'd write for a while I'd be like man well I'm like not to like brag on my book but I was like this is so good for me to hear right now you know and I would feel better afterwards so it's the same deal with like these lessons we learn it's not like at least for me I hasn't been like you learn the lesson once and then you're good to go. It's like, you know, like you have to cultivate what you learned in that moment over and over and over again. And there's often times where like even myself, 
this last weekend, I'm at the state meet, or actually, this, yeah, it's this last weekend. I'm at the state meet. My daughter, she got outkicked in the mile and the two mile, got second in both events. And then Sarah, she was also second at the U.S. Championships. And I found myself just, like, getting frustrated. And that was, like, my cue to be, like, why am I frustrated right now? What am how have my values, my priorities, how has it shifted to be in such a way where my wife can be the second best runner in the nation and I'm like kind of frustrated about that? Or my my daughter is the second fastest girl in the state and I'm like being like, oh, like what I mess up and I'm frustrated and I'm like, hold on a second. Like I've I've let something shift inside me that that is not me at my best and that's not how I want to be. And so let me just like go for a run, process all of this and like get my heart the right space and then after I did that I was able to go to my daughter and to Sarah and just be like man I'm so stoked about where you're at and be like genuine and like real with that because inside I'm like yeah you know what it's not about winning the race it's about like personal excellence but sometimes I lose sight of that as well so that's why you know community it keeps us honest and it keeps us um it keeps these values alive inside of us Awesome reminder for, for me, for sure, and probably for all of us to, to think along those lines. And for those who want more, I mean, heck, Ryan, D2 and I are personal growth junkies, and you could dive into that term potential that you used earlier. You could dive into some of those words that you just shared with us right there, including the fact that you said, heck, you know, I get some satisfaction rereading while you were writing. And that information or that inspiration that you needed at that moment, even though it came from your own pen, it still needed to work its way into your mind and into your heart and then would mean something. My guess is you are probably your toughest critic and the fact that there were those instances where it passed the muster of the toughest critic would suggest we should keep going. We should continue to do this. But putting a book out there, this wasn't initially your idea. Thinking back to when the suggestion came, hey, Ryan, you should put this out there. What would you share with us that would be good for all of us to think about if we're thinking about something we're not so sure we should do, but we're considering and maybe you would push us across the line to get started? Yeah, I just really encourage people, like, just start moving and see what happens. Like, nothing ever happens when you just sit on it, you know? <laughs> and so like oftentimes like I get, I'll get ideas for myself and I start moving in that direction. And then sometimes I'm like, no, nah, you know what? This isn't right. And then you, you can stop, you know? Well, um, but if you, if I just sit and I'm just like weighing it in my head, nothing, nothing good comes from that. Um, so yeah, I just encourage people to start, start moving and see, see where it takes you. Well, and obviously you and Jay are doing that. Sometimes it takes heavy, heavy courage to get started. And sometimes it's at least that same amount of courage, sometimes even more to actually finish. Jay, in the circles we travel, you are Coach Jay. Before we go into some of the programming that you and Ryan are working on, one of the things I'd be curious is listening to Ryan talk about getting started and talking about coaching athletes and thinking about whether it's his wife or whether it's our respective spouses, whether it's his daughter or our children, going to your experience as a collegiate coach and knowing that a lot of people ask us in our running stores or just in general, what does it take to run in college? What does it take to be successful at whatever level I hope to run? What is it that you've heard Ryan say or that you've come to on your own that you would say is one more opportunity for all those potentially uh, you know, approved collegiate runners? Here's what they should know right now. Yeah, you know, the, <clears throat> my journey in kind of putting together how to stay in the sport, how to coach people, how to stay positive in the face of adversity – you know, really started when I was in college and I ran at Barry for Paul Deaton and he was a huge uh, mentor for me and just challenged me to dig deeper into a lot of these things that Ryan and I are trying to talk about with our athletes. You know, why do you run? Why do you care about doing well? How do you do that? How do you uh, compete, try to win? And then how do you deal with your success or your failure afterwards? And so that started uh, just a long time ago. And in a sense, I'm just kind of obsessed with that pursuit. 
And through that journey, I've learned that the outcomes are, they're fun sometimes and they're frustrating sometimes, but the real meat of life is spent in the journey and in the process of whatever you do, of process of training, process of work, um, school, life. And so, you know, for me, the the way that I have gotten athletes and the way that I myself have tried to continue in the sport. And, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm starting to get slower. Well, that's kind of already happened, but, um, <laughs> it's all relative, with my it, friend. yeah, yeah, it's all relative. And, and that's a, that's a very good point because, you know, a lot of the people that I race in the past aren't running anymore. And they'll ask me, they'll be like, Jay, why are you still, out there trying to do it. And man, I just love the process. I love the fact that I can get out there, run hard. And I may be like five minutes slower than I used to be, but I still feel the same. I still feel that challenge. And I still feel, um, you know, the ability to run as hard as I can and do my best. And whether I succeed or fail, find some joy and some happiness in the midst of the process. So, um, and then Ryan and I met in 2004, I think at a distance running camp in California. And we just really hit it off even then with this type of discussion. And so that's kind of grown over the years into, you know, just, um, you know, when two people are kind of chasing the same thing, and you have good conversation and that just leads to more good conversation. And, you know, that's kind of led us where we are right now. Well, let's talk about that. That's the perfect segue. And we think about, well, whether it's really true or not, Jay, I have not seen it personally that you're getting any slower, but Ryan having known you since 2004 might be able to provide solid evidence that that is true. But what I do know about you, Jay, is that you've gotten more and more rabid about sharing what you know with others and sharing what you've learned with others in a way that it allows them to improve and to get more, not just from this sport, but quite frankly, from their training and perhaps life in general. So this month, May of 2018, you and Ryan putting out Run Free Training, which will be a personal online training program, but it won't be one of those that it's just, you know, where you download or visit a website. It's going to have some genuinely meaningful and personal interaction that is included. It comes from a philosophy that's beyond, way beyond from what I've come to understand, just two very qualified runners suggesting that because they've achieved the highest of results that everybody that they interact with is expected to do the same. There's much more to it than that. So help me introduce run free training. What would you say at the onset? that people should know when they hear those words together, run free training. Yeah. I remember when Jay, he called me on the phone this last summer and um, I remember having a conversation with him. He's like, Hey, have you ever thought about starting like, like personal online training? And I kind of thought about it for a while. And I was, I was like, well, there's a lot of great, you know, personal online training out there already. And um, I was like, yeah, like it'd be cool. But, but like it, it didn't really do it for me at first when I thought about it. And then I realized maybe I was just thinking about it the wrong way. And like, what am I passionate about sharing? And yes, I am passionate about like training and, and helping people get faster. But really, like I'm most passionate about freeing people up because I went from this journey of being a 13 year old kid playing baseball. And I'd, I would cry every single time I struck out at the plate. That's the kind of pressure. And as you guys mentioned, like you could tell right away, like I'm my own worst critic. Like I put a ton of pressure on myself. And so I had to go on this very long, very painful, very hard journey of like freeing myself from that. And it's like we were talking about earlier conversation, like it's something I have to continue to cultivate. And like I need people around me like Jay who can hold me accountable and who are going on this journey with me. And we want to we want to lead other athletes to go on that very same journey. So um, I kind of reframed it as like, okay, maybe it's more than just writing someone's 
someone's training for the week. Maybe this is about like them getting free of the things that have held them back, like similarly to the things that held me back, you know, because there's no greater feeling than getting out in a race and being able to just be like fully you out there and just enjoy every step. And your performance is something that happens and something you're still passionate about going after and trying to run fast and get PRs. Um, but it's like, it's like, you're watching a cloud in the sky and it's not the thing like you're already complete and it's the icing on the cake. And so, you know, thinking about designing a training platform that's going after all of that, uh, was really exciting, tremendously exciting for me. And so, um, you know, and Jay is very much in that same line of thought. And like he mentioned, we met, you know, way back and we're always going after, um, this like inner freedom of, uh, of running and such or not that we're enjoying it the most you know because even like myself like and people say this all the time but no matter what like i achieved like it was never it was really sweet like don't get me wrong in the moment like it was amazing and it was an amazing feeling for maybe a week afterwards but it's never enough you know it's like chasing the wind but when you get free on the inside and you can just fully enjoy every moment like jay said about loving the process and you can enjoy every single race, whether you performed how you wanted to or not, like that, that's the gold, you know, and that's the gold I want people to taste and see and experience. And then, you know, the, the other aspect that I learned throughout my 20 year career was, um, running is not a hobby. If you want to see how good you can get at it, or if you want to see really good results, it has to be a lifestyle. So like, I remember I got to throw out a first pitch before Boston and the first year I ran there and I remember walking past all the players cars and like in the, in the underground area under the stadium. And I noticed like almost all of them had like Dunkin' Donut boxes on their dashes. And I was like, that must be nice to be able to like pound a bunch of Dunkin' Donuts before you go out and compete, you know, but running is not that way. And so, um, we knew that like, yeah, we could design a training plan and it would help people. Um, but if we really want the most effective results we could possibly help someone achieve, it's going to need to be a holistic plan that addresses everything from um, we have kind of a five finger approach to training. And, you know, the first the first finger is training, obviously. And we want to design a plan where really, like I see it as building bridges. So we're building bridges from where athletes are at to where they want to go. And then uh, that second finger is rest and sleep. Um, but more, more than just sleep, it's like, how do you find inner rest, inner peace within you? And like now, a lot of stuff is coming out about recovery modalities and how like actually like just de-stressing yourself is the best recovery modality out there. So that kind of falls in that rest category. Um, the next one is nutrition. You know, like it's really true. Like you are in a sense what you eat when you run and you want to fuel yourself um, to achieve your goals. And we want to more than anything with nutrition, like I've experienced it, like everyone's a little different when it comes to nutrition. So we're not trying to sell anyone on any diet and be like, you've got to follow our diet and program. We want to help people find their own sweet spot with nutrition. Um, and then the other finger is the internal kind of, we talked about that, but what's going on inside your mind, your heart, when you're out here doing these workouts, because what I found it's more important how you do what you do than what you're actually doing. So like we can design like the perfect training plan, but if you're doing it with the wrong heart, like say you're trying to prove yourself and you're like racing every workout, we're not going to get as good of results if like you're feeling secure in who you are. You don't have to prove yourself and you're going and running these workouts at the right effort level. Um, and then the last finger is the 1% is what we call it. Um, and that addresses everything from strength training um, to recovery modalities, stretching, um, drills, all, all everything else that comes with like having a complete running package that um, seems like a really small thing, but can make a big difference in the big scheme of things. Well, absolutely. And the word that comes to mind, you mentioned holistic, certainly comprehensive. And knowing that you guys can walk someone through that and then emphasize where that emphasis is needed. Because I would imagine that when you have a whole host of athletes, there'll be some that, my goodness, we just need to drill into the training effort. And then others, it might be, well, gosh, we're ready for the 1%. This is where we got to really tweak a few things to be able to get that 
best result or that achieved or desired result. And then for some, it may be nutrition and it gives you the ability to better customize and perhaps make it more personal altogether. I also know that alongside the program itself, you guys are going to join us. You're going to do a podcast. Run Free Training will also be available probably for all who like to consume media this way. Yeah, I'm really stoked about the podcast because that's where we're really going to go after like the internal and what's going on in your mind and heart. And hopefully, you know, like in a fun kind of format, um, like some of them are just going to like me like riffing about, you know, X, Y and Z and just um, just sharing my heart and my experiences. And then others are going to be interviews with other athletes and, and talking to them about what's going on inside of you when you get to those really critical moments of the races and what what's going through your mind. How do you battle these thoughts of self-doubt or, um, you know, not sure if you if you have what it takes to get to the finish line, like like kind of more going into like what's going on. Like, I really want to understand what, what's going on inside of you and how you're able to navigate that effectively so um yeah it's gonna be really fun it might be like a little bit not as polished as your guys podcast and by a little bit i mean a lot of it <laughs> we'll like, see <laughs> but but i think i think people will find the content really interesting and and yeah it's gonna be fun fun podcast well here's one thing that you'll appreciate and that we are very appreciative of you and certainly we'll put this in our show notes again for everybody who can't Wait for those, runfreetraining.com. There'll be a link for the podcast there. I'm sure, of course, we'll share that. But when we incepted this podcast over two years ago now, it was partially because of a very disappointing statistic we heard, that what a high percentage of podcasts were consumed while sitting in traffic, that that by far was the number one way. A distant, distant, distant second was, of course, while working out or running. So the more of us that we can get running and pedestrian active content onto the airwaves, the more likely we can bridge that gap of people listening to this kind of content, not in their car, but instead getting themselves to be just a little bit better every single day. All right, I have to go here for sure with this line of questions. A couple of things that I know you guys know, Jay, coming to our home state, Ryan, certainly a big part of who you are with Sarah as her coach and her husband, as well as someone who is a veteran of Olympic marathon trials. They're going to be here in Atlanta, February of 2020. Any comments that either or both of you would make on those trials being here in our hometown and what the athletes who are participating as well as the spectators should expect? So, yeah. Um, as we all know that live in Atlanta, Atlanta is very hilly and that's going to be a huge uh, topic of conversation with the athletes training over the next few months, getting ready for it. But on the flip side of that, man, I'm just so excited to watch, uh, some of our athletes that we already have that are going to be running the trials and obviously being in my backyard, um, I'm, I'm playing a nice long run that day to jog around and cheer everybody. And yeah, it's just real exciting for Atlanta to have that event uh, in the backyard. Well, I know you've got a couple of athletes already, Jay, who will be on the start line. Any thoughts between now and February of, of what your athletes or perhaps those who you are coaching who have not yet made that qualifying time what is on your mind between now and then in terms of readying those athletes or getting more to the start line who you can kind of speak into? You know, I think the major thing that I'm telling uh, my athletes to do is go run the course and make sure that they're familiar with it because from that we can, you know, know what to expect. And then the other thing is just having a few tweaks in the training, but, um, not majorly ch changing the training. I mean, it's just going to be a few key things here and there. Um, and then <clears throat> I was I was running with Sarah this morning. We were talking about the marathon trials. And, you know, if you accept that it's going to be difficult and you don't look at that as necessarily a bad thing, it's just a thing, then I think you're way better off than – the opposite approach of, you know, getting stressed out or worrying about it or, you know, confronting it as this huge challenge when everybody has the same challenge. 
So really, at the end of the day, it's still just a race. Um, and you got to prepare properly mentally and, and physically. But, um, you know, it's just like that story Ron, you were telling me about uh, your athletes in Reading. Uh, tell, tell that story. That was great about them yelling. Yeah. So uh, I, I coached high school cross country one season at my daughter's school when we were in Reading, California. And uh, during cross country season, it's typically about 110 degrees when we're practicing at three in the afternoon. And so I knew this was going to be a huge issue with my kids because, like, to be honest, like, I would never train in 110 degrees. Like, that's terrible, you know. Um, but my, I can't have my kids thinking that, you know. So um, I go in the first day and I talk to him for a little bit. And then as I'm wrapping up, I'm like, okay, here's what we're going to do. I want everyone with, like, everything inside you, all your frustration towards how hot it is right now, I want you to let it out. So we're just going to let it out and just yell, I'm so hot right now like with everything inside you all your frustration like let it all up and so we do this you know the room just erupts and like i'm so hot right now and i was like okay good job guys like now i don't ever want to hear you say that again for the rest of the season <laughs> and, uh, and uh, if they did i would give them burpees they had to do like 20 burpees or something but i didn't hand out too many burpees like it kind of helped like i feel like everyone kind of got it out of their system and we train hard in those conditions one day i had them doing uh, hill sprints like 200 meter hill sprints to failure i was like all right you guys tell me when you're done and they just like kept going and going and going so um you know kids rise to the occasion obviously in those kind of conditions you got to make sure they're hydrated and you don't want to you know actually put someone's health at jeopardy but um you take care of yourself you know you can train through and prepare for like with the trials you can prepare for pretty much anything but i'm with jay it's like as an athlete you have to just be excited for this opportunity and not so here's something i learned on my journey it's like the anticipation of the challenge the worrying of what's coming down the road is worse than actually going through it and so like if, if athletes buy into like oh this is going to be so crazy and like insane course insane training to get ready for this insane course like they're going to be just so stressed out about it that they're not going to perform well, you know, like the, that's just going to weigh down their energy levels. Um, so they really, and that's the whole title of my book, right? It's like, I would do that too. I'd be worried about how hard it's going to be at mile 23, mile 24. And I just have to pull myself back and be like, just do a great job with what you're doing right now. Like run this mile really, really well. Like, like God's grace is here for this moment, not there for mile 23. Cause I'm not there yet. And if I think about mile 23, it's just going to fill me with frustration, anxiety, worry, and it's just going to bog me down. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, it's like that with the trials. It's like as an athlete, you got to be like, man, Atlanta, they're going to have like electric crowd out there, electric atmosphere. Rich is going to do a great job with the organization of the race. It's going to be a top-notch event. And this is the Olympic trials. It only rolls around once every four years. Like I'm going to make the most of this moment. So we've had a number of Olympians on this, and yet I've not asked this question because not all of them have been marathoners. Ryan won the 2008 trials. Of course, those were in 2007 in New York City, finished second in the 2012 trials in Houston. And some of the things that we've talked about with other Olympians has been what it's like to have been part of the opening ceremonies or to be on the track or in the competition, perhaps even in the medal ceremony. But now, Ryan, what would you say that perhaps separates, if anything, the starting line for the Olympic trials versus the starting line for the Olympic marathon? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, there's definitely a different vibe. Like I remember being a lot more nervous on the Olympic trials starting line because with the Olympic trials, especially if you know you're supposed to make the team, you're ranked in the top three, it kind of feels like all you can do is lose in a way, you know? So you have to like consciously reframe that and be like, it's not about what, you know, me not qualifying, it's about me like having a great day out here and making this team. Um, whereas when you're, you know, in the games, you just feel like, man, like I'm just going to lay it all on the line and it's going to, it's going to happen out. It's going to happen. But there's kind of like nothing to be lost. Like you're like, at least when I was running, I was just trying to go after a medal, you know, put myself in a position to take a swing at it. So it has a much different, uh, feel and kind of element of pressure to it. I actually remember 
um, being on the starting line in Beijing. And I would usually get tip. Typically, I'd get super nervous before races. And how my dad would calm me down early on in high school is he'd tell me, "There's a million people in China who have no idea what you're doing right now." <laughs> and so, like, you know, just trying to take like the pressure off. And that kind of worked for a long time. And I remember being on the starting line in Beijing and just kind of smiling and being like. Well, this might be like the one day that this is actually not true, <laughs> but I, I actually didn't need it though. Like I felt really relaxed and in a really good spot. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was kind of funny how that worked out. That's awesome. Well, of course, we can't let you go without talking about where you have been spotted more recently than thinking about in that shape you were at the starting line in Beijing. And I use the term strength training. We've spoken, I think others have used the term bodybuilding, but I know you've put on some weight, even set a target. The reason that I want to bring this up, Ryan, as a way to kind of take us to a break is I think it's so easy for a lot of us to assume that, you know, we just are what we are or who we are. And and that's kind of it. And there's not really reason to believe that we can make changes or perhaps pivot or perhaps redirect our energies or focus. And yet I think both interestingly, as well as importantly, you are proving that perhaps for yourself to start with, but for a lot of us along the way, that that's not true. And that if we are intentional and that if we are disciplined, we can make a lot of progress in a lot of areas. You've put on 35, 40, perhaps 45 plus pounds in the last year or so through a concerted effort. You have a target if I have recollected this properly to bench 400 pounds by the time you're 40. You're not that far, may I remind you, from that age. So tell us a little bit about Ryan Hall, the strength trainer. Yeah, so I I love talking about this. I I always wondered when I was a little tiny distance runner and I'd be around really big, strong people. I'm like, what must that feel like to just like be big and strong, you know? And so when I retired from pro running, I was 127 pounds, which was too light. I would, I always raced my best at 137 pounds and I'm still five foot 10. Um, and so just, as you can imagine, just like skin and bones, super weak. Um, you know, even like our legs, like we would do some leg weights, but really light stuff. And like, I had zero power in my legs, which is something I do differently with my athletes now. I actually have them lift fairly heavy, heavy, but um, in a range of motion that they're not going to get hurt at. Um, so yeah, I always had this question like, oh, what would that feel like? And and also too, like I was just curious, like nature versus nurture, you know? Because here I could get myself down to 127 pounds, but like how how far could I take it the other direction? And so immediately, as soon as I retired, I got in the weight room, started training. And I was so terrible. Like I was benching like 135 or something, maybe 150 to start. And same with my deadlift and squat. And just so embarrassed in the weight room, you know, walking around with like my hat pulled low, being like, I hope no one recognizes me in here. <laughs> and, uh, but I saw like pretty fast results, which is pretty typical for weight training. Usually like your first six months to a year, you see, you see the biggest change. Um, but I would say like for people who maybe like guys in particular are trying to put on a little bit of muscle, like diet nutrition is more important than the training. Like I know a lot of people who try to put on muscle, but then they don't want to take in more calories than they're currently eating. And it just doesn't happen. Like you don't, your body doesn't build something out of nothing. So I had to raise my calories up way above what I was eating when I was running professionally and running 120, 140 miles a week. I'd eat way, way more. And obviously like uh, the breakdown of my macros changed quite a bit, got more into pro protein intake, but I was still like taking in a lot of carbs and fat. Um, but it was just like a way for, for me to stay true also to, to who I am. Like I just love pushing myself physically and I did that in the running category for a long time, but my body got to a point to where it's like, okay, like you need to do something anabolic in nature because you've been running for a long time, which can be very catabolic depending on the intensity and your nutrition paired with that. Um, so it was just like the perfect thing for me to get into and my body just responded super quick. And uh, so originally my goal when I first retired is like, man, I want to get my, my deadlift, my squat, my bench all over 300. And I thought it would take like 10 years to do it. 
um, you know, going from my starting point where I was at, but I actually got there like within a couple of years, I was already at that point. And so I was like, well, I got to set some new goals now. So um, thus like the 400 by 40 is my mantra. I'm 36 right now. So I'm giving myself some time, but what I've learned about goals and uh, is that sometimes like we put a timestamp on it when really like we sh- should be more open with it. So like even, I mean, like with this goal, it's like if I'm not there when I'm 40, I'm not going to like quit and call it like I'm going to keep going after it, you know, and that's a good thing about strength training is that as you get older, you can get stronger and stronger for quite a while. Um, you know, you look at these strongman competitions on television and it's like a lot of guys who are in their 40s that are that are in those competitions. So um, it's just a fun way for me to push myself and also just to create some balance in my life with my current lifestyle and being a dad of four and driving all over the place and, um, you know, working on run free training and my book and everything. I need like a little bit of me time where I'm just focused on like doing something that I really love to do. And so, uh, you know, like this morning, got up at 5am, made some coffee and did my workout in an hour. And then I have the rest of the day to be free and, um, to do other things. So it's just been a really kind of healthy way for me to transition out of running and into this next season of my life. Well, of course, as you talk about adding calories, I have to ask, is it that we would find a box of Dunkin' Donuts on your dashboard now? <laughs> no, so I don't eat junk. Um, well, that's not true. I do. Uh, my, my daughter and I, we want to write a book that call, is called Candy is Good for You. Um, because, uh, there is like a window and I learned this from running, but it's true in weightlifting as well. Whereas when your muscles are glycogen depleted, you can fill, you want to fill that up as soon as you finish running or lifting. And so all the like gummy worms, like gummy bears, like if you go into my garage where I work out, like you'll just see all this like fat free candy because I want the glucose to just go straight into my muscles right away um and then I'll have some like whey protein which is a quick protein source that gets in there very quickly as well but that's that's the only time I eat sugar other than that like I never never eat sugar but you would see me just eating a lot and eating all the time every six hours which is the same thing I did running you know it's funny like how similar the two really are and like the principles apply to both, you know? So in running, I'd eat small meals every six hours because, um, I needed that constant source of fuel to repair, you know, the breakdown that was happening from the training and in weightlifting, I needed to be constantly giving myself the building blocks it needs to big to get bigger and get stronger. That's awesome. Gummy bears. And I'm sure the book by you and your daughter will rocket to the top of the New York (laughs) Times bestseller list with a title like that. We'll have to have you on in a future episode. Did not touch on, but am so encouraged by what you and Sarah have done as parents and your four daughters. So very cool. Jay, of course, I know your heart and have for so long. Always speaking with you is something that I benefit from. As a reminder, so much more of Jay and Ryan at runfreetraining.com. If you're not the lucky winner from the Run ATL podcast to receive the book, you need to run and get it yourself. Run the mile you're in, finding God in every step. Gentlemen, you guys, even more so than world-class runners are world-class persons, and it is certainly a pleasure to work alongside you and to call you friends. Thank you for being part of this this afternoon. Oh, it was our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yeah, guys, thanks a lot. We really enjoyed it. You bet, D2. As you know, right after this brief break, we'll be right back. Congratulations to everyone that got into the lottery and will be joining us and the rest of the 60,000 participants on July 4th. Now is the time to start thinking about what you'll be wearing down Petrie Road that morning or later that evening enjoying the fireworks. That's why we have the Patriotic Asics Gel DS Trainer 24. There are limited qualities available for pre-order and we expect these to sell out. We also have Patriotic Run ATL shirts available now online. Go to BigPeachRunningCo.com and order your patriotic gear and suit up for the 4th of July. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. That was so very cool, D2. So much there in that conversation. Could have been much longer. Probably best that it wasn't because there would have been even more notes that I would have needed to have taken. But for you, was there something that just really stuck out? 
Well, yeah. I mean, the when you asked the question about the preparation for the marathon, and the question came about the hills and the mentality and the you know being mentally prepared for those type of things, it just reminds me of another podcast I listened to about you know that I I tend to apply it you know not just for running but but in all aspects of my life and and I think it just makes you happier and and I think is what you know Ryan says just kind of being in that right frame of mind is that when things come up you know a challenge something that might be difficult it's not kind of seeing it as being a victim but seeing it more as an opportunity so if in a, a case like this where where Ryan mentioned about the hills I would say instead of saying oh man I get to train you know it's like oh the hills are going to suck you know, it's like, oh no, this is an opportunity for me to get stronger. This is an opportunity for me to get better at running hills. And I, I see things like that. And we had a conversation recently about where someone ended up getting, you know, a, a flat tire on our way to a meeting not too long ago. And I was thinking about, wow, it's like someone would say, oh man, my day sucks. That just was horrible. You know, my day started with getting a flat tire on, on, you know, on you know, 285. And I'd be looking at like, all right, well, this is a great opportunity for me to see how quickly I can change a flat tire you know, and get back on the road. So it's how, you know, it's, once again, it's like, is a glass half full, half empty? And I think that applies to whether we're training, whether we're running, whether it's, you know, you're running in the heat, whether you're running on hills, whether it's, you know, a challenge or something that's unexpected that came on in your personal life or professional. It's the way we approach things that we get to control the outcome and how we feel. And I think that's kind of what Ryan was, was trying to say and, and his whole approach now with the running free and just kind of, being in that right state of mind to kind of appreciate everything that you've got going for you and then use that to better yourself. So true. And certainly those guys are going to bring that out in the training program. It's in the book. We said D2, we are going to deliver for one, a lucky listener. Here's how you can be the one who does get the complimentary copy of Run the Mile you're in finding God in every step. That is Ryan's book. We're going to give you a copy compliments of the run ATL podcast, but we're not going to do it without having you participate. There is a city that should be very near and dear to Ryan's heart. We have talked a little bit about the marathon trial since they're coming to Atlanta. It was where Ryan participated in his second Olympic marathon trials. In fact, finished second in that race. That was part of the conversation. It is also where he set the American record in the half marathon. You could Google it, but hopefully you know from this conversation what city we're talking about. Send us the answer to podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. That's podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. Send us that answer before the end of May. And everybody who sends us the answer prior to the end of May 2019, we will draw from our lucky running cap one name and we will contact you and let you know that you're the winner and you've got that free book coming your way. For everyone else who's not the winner, we love you just as much. And we'll be back in just two weeks for another Run ATL podcast. But in the meantime, as we always say, as we certainly mean, may your best miles be those covered on foot. Hey, y'all. If you enjoy our podcast, let us know. If you have topic suggestions, questions, or guests you'd like to hear on the Run ATL podcast, email us at podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. That's podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. Or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube.